Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in this week. We have a great episode for you. Before I present the guest, as always, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps boost the show, grow the audience, and ultimately helps me make the best show for you guys, get the best guests on. So it's a win-win. Additionally, please follow me on social media, R-O-Y-B-T-Z on Instagram and R-O-Y underscore B-N-T-Z on Twitter. On Twitter, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which gives you access to updates, occasional blog posts, news about the guests, future of the show. And most importantly, it's just a very easy way to get the podcast into your inbox week in and week out. Finally, please consider supporting this independent podcast. I made the decision not to work with any sponsors on this podcast. I want to keep it as independent for as long as I can. So if you feel like you get any value from the podcast, please feel free to support it. There is a link in the show notes. And finally, if you want to start your own podcast, I have a full tutorial that covers everything you need to know. A to Z, soup to nuts about how to start, grow, execute, market, reach out to guests, get amazing guests on, and just how to really grow your own brand and build an audience. So if this is something you're interested in, feel free to check it out. It is in the show notes as well. All right, let's move on to the guest. This week I have Ron Schneiderman. Ron is the CEO of All Trails. And for those of you who may not know All Trails, it is an app that helps you get outdoors in a more secure and safe way. They've got, I think he said 350,000 different trails all across the world. They are located in every single country and it just makes things very easy. It makes researching and finding trails very easy. It makes going on the actual trail very easy because as you know, if you've been hiking, you can easily get off the trail and then all of a sudden you're somewhere completely different. You're lost. This helps you avoid all those problems. So feel free to check it out if that's something you're interested in. I use it all the time, whether it's uh, hiking or mountain biking, whatever it is. It's a great uh, companion when in the outdoors. So feel free to check it out if you're interested. And this was really fun for me because as I said, I love the app. Uh, It marries two things that I love, which is the outdoors and technology. And Ron was kind enough to join podcast and we discussed a wide range of things. Mostly we focused on All Trails, the company, how he joined the company, the challenges that they faced, how he grew the company, became CEO. We talked a lot about the outdoors, the importance of the outdoors. We talked about what he was doing before he joined All Trails. So a whole episode packed with info. You're going to love it. And uh, without further ado, let me introduce this week's guest, Ron Schneiderman. Enjoy the episode, everyone. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. Ron, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dude, I, I'm your number one fan. Um, I love the app. I use it all the time. Um, you kind of marry my two loves. It's, it's the outdoors and technology. So by far, probably my my favorite app or top three favorite apps on my phone. So happy to have you on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for uh, people who may not be as outdoorsy uh, as we are and may not know about you and the app, maybe just give us a l- little bit of an intro. Sure. Yeah. So All Trails is a free app and website that helps you find really awesome trails anywhere around the world so you can spend more time outside enjoying the outdoors and doing it with confidence and safely um we've got we've got trails in every country in the world right now which is kind of cool we just crossed that threshold uh even sudan and uh and north korea they have trails um i'm not sure how many people are actually going out (laughs) yeah but uh not as popular as yosemite yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, this has been, uh, I've been here six and a half years. Um, I took over from the original founder back uh, in 2015 when it was a six person company. And, um, you know, it's been really, really cool growing the platform, growing the community, mapping the globe, and uh, bringing, you know, tens of millions of people closer to nature. Right. It's a, it's a pretty good reason to get out of bed every day. For sure. And what were you doing before you um, before you joined All Trails? Yeah, so right before All Trails, I was uh, 
I was head of growth over at Yelp. Trying, we were trying to build like an open table competitor. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a year um, before this opportunity presented itself. And before Yelp, I had a startup in the ski space called Liftopia, where we were um, bringing, yeah, uh, it's probably a theme you're noticing in my career. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but bringing, you know, e-commerce and revenue management to ski areas around the globe. I was doing that for nine years. Prior to that, I was at Hotwire, um, the old online travel site, mm-hmm. running BizDev over there. Um, and, and my first gig out of school was at Accenture. Uh, I did that for three years. So that's it. That's the full extent of my resume. <laughs> I mean, that's an impressive resume, man. Oh, thanks. Um, and then you, so you joined Old Trails, what'd you say around 215 to 16? Yeah, it was September 2015. And then you, did, did you join immediately as the CEO or was there like a progress where you joined as, you know, at, at one um, position and then kind of evolved up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I knew the original founder from Liftopia because Outdoor Tech is pretty small. We all know each other, and you know he's kind of your classic serial entrepreneur. Um, and in 2050, so Outdoor Tech started in 2010, right? So this has been kind of a side project of his for a while. Oh wow, 2010. Uh, yeah, so Outdoor has been around for a while, um, and it was just starting to get traction, right? Like the, the, he had built a really amazing SEO engine and he had just launched a subscription business, which in 2015 was pretty novel, pretty new. Yeah. I gave him a ton of credit for both of those, both of those things. And right when all trails was, was just about to, to take off from the runway, he got an opportunity to go run operations at one of the big uh, food delivery companies. And so he wanted to go do that and he didn't want to shutter this. So he reached out he's like, Hey Ron, do you want to, do you want to take this over? And I said, no, because <laughs> um, I, I didn't think I was qualified to be a CEO. It's the same thing from Liftopia too. Like I was CMO and COO for a second. Um, I never wanted to be CEO. I, ne- I didn't think I was built for it. I don't know. And we can yeah. talk about that because I think it's kind of funny what your own mind will do to yourself. So anyways, um, but I was like, no, dude, I, I don't want to be CEO, but I'll, I'll, I'll come like, there's so much potential here. I'll come on Lock Road. I'll be your CMO. But lesson learned from Yelp, like I need more autonomy and agency. So I'm going to take the COO title also. Cool, mm-hmm. cool. And then we went and we found a CEO because the, the handshake agreement with the founder was to grow and sell it. That was that was the agreement, right? He felt like he was sitting on a pretty good asset. He just needed to kind of like, you know, uh, be unlocked. And then there would be an opportunity for an exit pretty quick. So we brought in the CEO who kind of had experience doing that. And that's kind of what we did. So from 2015 uh, on, it was six of us, including me and CEO, so four, four engineers, which was nuts, right? Like we had one Android engineer, one iOS engineer, and a couple yeah. full stackers. Yeah. Um, we very intentionally didn't want to raise money. We had both done it. Um, I, I don't like being beholden to VCs, and I don't think that there's always like aligned incentives, and I don't think most of them are value additive. So we wanted to avoid that trap. And again, if we're going to sell it anyways, like let's control our own destiny. And we just went to work on getting the profitability. Um, and we were so small. So every quarter we would just kind of attack a different area of the funnel and just try and like focus on signups or focus on uh, pro conversions. We have an annual subscription program called All Trails Pro. Um, let's focus on UGC contributions, whatever, and just like chip away like one part of the funnel at a time. And by the end of 2017, we hit profitability, uh, which was rad. And then 2018, the inbound started coming in. And, uh, you know, first it was one of the big tech companies, right? And it was like, oh, whoa, okay. But then I was like, I don't want to go work for one of the, if I wanted to go work for one of the big tech companies, I would have tried to go work for one of the big tech companies, right? The whole point was like not to go be middle management yeah. at a tech company, right? It was to, to build and grow something unique and special here. It was really clear that if we were to sell to one of those guys, like this journey would be over. And it felt like we weren't anywhere near close to achieving our potential or what we set out to do. So we kind of changed tactics mid- midway through this process. We said, let's talk to some of the financial firms and see, like, not necessarily go and raise a VC round, but let's see if we can find another type of partner. And we started talking with, um, there's this new category of private equity I'd never even heard of before called growth equity, where they basically like, they'll buy you out, but but the goal isn't to like, 
you know, maximize EBITDA or, you know, like just like raid your pantry. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's to unlock growth and like really like create like a much more, uh, you know, just unlock it. Right. Um, and so we partnered with one of them and that was, that was the game changer, right? Cause they're the ones that were in my, we partnered with spectrum equity. Um, they bought us, they bought a controlling stake and they were the ones who are like, you guys are thinking too small. You guys need to think bigger. We can do something global here. We can, you know, there, there's there's no reason why they they owned um, or they had a big chunk of Headspace, right? The the meditation app, and they're like, there's no reason why this can't be like a similar play um, where everyone around the globe can do mindfulness. That's the beauty of of hiking or time outside. Like the barrier to entry couldn't be lower. So like, let's think really big here. Anyways, once we kind of like got Spectrum on board. Uh, and we, you know, crossed the finish line with the transaction. We we transitioned the old CEO out. Spectrum asked me if I wanted the job. I said no. Um, <laughs> I didn't think I was going. Why do you keep like, sabotaging yourself? I, it's so funny, right? And, and and then so like the managing director Ben Sparrow, he's my, he's amazing. Uh, and anyways, he's like, why do you why like why what is what is your hesitation? I was like, I'm not good at finance. I'm like, I'm not a finance guy. I got a C plus and econ in college. Yeah. My wife works at Morgan Stanley. Like she was an econ major. She loves it. And every time she talks about it, my eyes glaze over and she gets mad at me. <laughs> I just can't do finance. It's just like, it's not exciting to me. Yeah. And he just started laughing. He was like, we'll do, we're the finance guys. Like, don't worry about that. You do the growth part. You do yeah. all the stuff that you're good at and we'll surround you with people to help you out. And it took me a couple of months of like very real, very real imposter syndrome I was sitting in the seat. It's like, this doesn't feel right. I'm not good enough for this. I'm not worthy. Cause you, you know, you have these archetypes. You have like, you know, whatever, like the Elon Musk of the world or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Right. And like, one, those guys are dicks anyways. And <laughs> two, like <laughs> for every like Bezos or Musk or, you know, whatever, like there are thousands of other CEOs that tried to emulate them and crash and burn because like, honestly, it's not a very good or sustainable model to yeah. be that arrogant and, you know, just that abrasive. Right. And, and I kind of, I don't know, you know, at, at a certain point, like the gremlins in my ears just like finally shut up. And I was like, I can be myself. I can be like my authentic. I'm, I'm a, I'm a very like sensitive person. Like, I don't think any, maybe some people would call me an asshole, but like, I don't think, I'm, you know, like I, I it's like, like minority I, group. <laughs> so, but I could be myself in the role and recognize like that it wouldn't hold me back. It wouldn't be a liability that actually there's strength in my personality type. And I could like really embrace that. And wherever the weaknesses are, you supplement it with people around you. And the single biggest unlock was, uh, you know, there's, there's one morning I was like, like with the finance, I was like, I don't know how to do spreadsheet. I can't do, you know, PNA analysis. I can't like do the modeling, but whatever, like I can't code either, but I have no qualms whatsoever you know, working with our engineers, hiring world-class engineers, I, you know, like, so why am I, why am I putting this one weird finance thing in this like untouchable bucket? And once I kind of recognized that, it's like, it's all the same shit. Yeah. Just hire people smarter than you and give them autonomy and agency and get out of the way. Yeah. It's amazing what it unlocks. And so, um, yeah, for all your listeners out there who are maybe having the same imposter syndrome, um, it's just in your head. It's just in your own head. Yeah, it's funny how that works. You know, you have guys, and I'm not saying, I don't want to name any names, but you have people that are just super charismatic and confident. And they're just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader. Like, follow me. I'm the captain of the ship. And, but they don't have the chops necessarily. And then you have on the flip side, people who do have the chops, who are, you know, uh, good people and have experience, but they just don't have that, um, they don't like to be center stage. They don't like to be the captain of the ship. They don't like to tell people what to do or to feel like, oh, if something happens, you know, people will blame me for the for the failures. But they can do it, but they just don't want to take on. So it's just, it's, I think it's a personality thing, right? It's not necessarily like a, a an experience thing. And it's something you have to just, I don't know. I don't I like, it seems for you to like, you didn't jump in, like just at the deep end, you kind of, you know, took the steps and then gradually got to, to a place where you were comfortable. But I think either can work, right? Absolutely. I, you know, I don't think that anyone will say, despite, you know, appearances sometimes, like arrogance, unfettered arrogance is not a strength and it's not an asset for this role, even though it often seems to be like the dominant 
criteria, but these are the CEOs that put themselves out in the spotlight intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not an attention seeker, says the guy who's on the podcast right now, but um, (laughs) you know, like that's not how I work. I don't like being in the center of a room and having, you know, like that's, but, but that does come with a role and it's really interesting. Um, It's part of it. So you you can't like hate it because you'll hate the role. So, but there's a line, there's a difference between, you have to be confident um, because you are ultimately the one that's responsible for everything and everyone is looking to. So it's, it's no joke. It's no joke. I don't want to downplay the role. Um, So you have to be confident, but arrogance is not a virtue. It's not a value that I don't, I don't think any like up and coming CEOs or potential CEOs like should aspire to try and like, level up to that. that that's not what's going to dictate how well you do the job. I think empathy, honestly, like empathy is a much bigger virtue in the seat um, than, than probably anything. And really being able to like get out of your own head and whether it's empathy for your end users, empathy for your employees, empathy for your board, like, you know, you, you, you just, you have to listen and, it's, and then be able to synthesize it all and then come up with a, a plan of attack or a course of action. Yeah, there's been a string of um, movies and documentaries recently. Uh, <laughs> you've probably seen a few about uh, WeWork, Uber, yep. Theranos. Um, recently, obviously, there was a story about um, that the Fast Company, the one-click checkout. And uh, there's like a, a, a thread that runs through it. So I, I think like just to, to um, piggyback off what you just said, like there seems to be and and maybe this is going a little, away a little bit now, but like this notion that you have to be the madman, the crazy, the, the, you know, the charismatic walking barefoot or just like screaming at everyone or like the crazier, the better, or like, cause that's, that's what makes you some sort of a maverick, but you see like a lot of these people, it ends up like getting, and again, I don't know how factual these documentaries or movies are. I take it with a grain of salt, but it just seems like they start to believe their own hype and they start to do think they, they have some sort of a God or Messiah complex where they are above all and I can fix it. And I, I don't think that's good for any human. I don't think that's good for a company. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's good that it's exposed so people can get like a, a, an understanding of what to do and what maybe not to do. You know, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think that, uh, you know, in tech in particular, we do deify founders mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Agree. The, the, the founder, you know, it's one thing to go from zero to one and the founders are often like the, the driving force behind it, but like none of it happens with the employees around, without the employees around them either, right? Like, and, and, and like, why? <laughs> so like, why? Yeah. Why, why do they get all the, the glory? Um, you know, they, they, they take the, the spotlight, right? I don't know. It's, it's a model some people like it. It's driven by ego. I'm, I'm like you said, like, I'm glad it's hopefully like coming to an end. This isn't, this isn't, I don't know. It's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll come to an end. I think, I think we as humans are uh, very malleable and fallible and we like to find people to put our trust into, whether it's people joining cults or religion or uh, founders or athletes, you know, we like heroes and we want to follow people and we want people to, I don't know, people that make us feel secure that that's why we have, you know, politicians, although they suck, but it's just like, we always, we want to put our faith in someone, someone bigger and something mightier than ourselves. And I think that's why we will always fall for big charismatic um, personalities, you know? yeah, charisma is intoxicating for sure, yeah. but it doesn't mean you're qualified to run no, no, a no. company. Um, so you know, I downloaded, I remember I downloaded the app back in like, 15, like 2015, 2016, and at the time I was living in New York, so I, I wasn't really going hiking that much, maybe a handful of times a year. And um, I remember downloading the app, and I'm, I'm completely honest, I was like, this is not. Like the, the idea is great, but the execution at the time, like there was nothing there. And I, and then I just, I think I was, I had it for a while now on my phone and I deleted it. And yep. then fast forward to last year, 2020, moved to Denver. And I was like, all right, let me download. I remember the old chest thing. I downloaded it. And like I said, favorite app, use it two to three times a week. I'm, I'm I look at trails all the time. What happened at in that time? And I and maybe I'm wrong. Like I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I have a different opinion of. But like, what happened at that at that time period? And, and also, like, how 
if I'm, cause I'm sure I'm not unique in any way, shape or form. I'm sure other people probably thought the same. So how do you keep users on at, at in, in that time space? Yeah. Period? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. When I, when I joined in 2015, I knew the product was bad. Um, I had no idea how bad the data was. And that was shocking. It was unexpected, right? Um, I spent the first three months, because again, I wasn't coming into something totally new. So I didn't want to come in and just flip the table over. Yeah. I wanted to figure out like, all right, what do we have here, right? What, what, what exactly do we have here? So I went, I got my hands on as much qualitative data and, and quantitative data as I could. Um, so again, on the quant side, you can see the gaps in the product, whatever, all the, all the friction, all the inefficiencies on the, on the qualitative side. It was fascinating you know, reading every app store review, every um, like Reddit thread I could find, every blog post. Um, and the, the themes were very similar, which is like, hey, all trails, you know, you said this trail was dog friendly and I got a, it's not, and I got a $400 ticket go fuck <laughs> right? Like people were pissed, right? Like, hey, yeah. you said there's a trailhead here and I drew around for eight hours trying to find it, go fuck yeah. over yeah. and over and over. And like, People were so angry with us. They were so angry with us. And at first, it was like, what did I get myself into? I think I made a terrible mistake. But then it was like, wait a second. You know, if there was like, um, if there was an easy switching cost, if there was like something else readily, readily available out there, they would have just gone silently, right? Um, and 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 instead, they 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 were just they were so. It was like there was a betrayal and a disappointment, but it, but underneath that was also like a, a, a hope almost, right? And that's what really got me, right? Like apathy would have been the worst. Apathy would have been the worst case scenario because people just don't care and they just go somewhere else, right? But the fact that people were upset and it's like, okay, there's an opportunity in here. Maybe we can turn this thing around and it's going to take time to rebuild trust, but we can win them back. Um, and so that's what we did. We got to work, you know, I, when, when I was thinking about taking the role, I went up to Tahoe with my family. Um, and we had two kids at the time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to find a kid-friendly trail. I'm going to use this app and figure this out. And there was one trailhead in the middle of Donner Lake, like in the middle of the lake. And there was <laughs> one at the peak of Mount Rose, right? And it's just like, okay. this is useless to me. This app is useless. And again, I was like so angry. Yeah. But I was like, and I was trying to like furiously find something. I was like, I can't find anything. So I was like, okay. Again, like there's an opportunity here because it just doesn't exist. And the reason why it doesn't exist is because it's really fucking hard. Yeah. But that's what we did, right? So it was like, all right. Because it like, changes all the time, right? Like it's not like a road. A road is a road. Like trails just, there's so many dude, things that happen. And that's the thing, right? There's like two main challenges, right? One is mapping the globe, the trail creation, right? And it's not just like, there's no shortage of content out there in the old guidebooks and stuff. There's like, there's a trailhead here. And then you walk for eight miles and it's beautiful, but like, that's not really helpful. That doesn't really help guide me and know like, where am I supposed to go and how hard is it? What's the elevation? Um, so the trail creation is really hard, but like you just said, the trail curation mm -hmm. is arguably even harder, right? Because there's, there's flooding, there's fires, there's development, uh, there's erosion. There's just like trail maintenance and within park systems, right? There's like North trails are, are, always in, in motion and staying on top of that and closing the feedback loops is, is again, like a, a really interesting challenge, but we focused first on the trail creation mm -hmm. and, and really it was through this lens of like, all right, what's the minimum amount of criteria that we need to have for any trail that's published on our platform. And so for your listeners that don't know, um, these trail pages, are like the building blocks, like the Lego pieces, the Lego bricks of, of what all trails is. And each trail page has a start point, an endpoint, a red line on a map. It has a difficulty level. It has an elevation profile. And then we have like what activities you can do. Can you, you know, beyond hiking, can you, can you mountain bike on it? Is there, are there going to be off-road drivers on there? Are there going to be horses on there? We have information about what you're going to see. Um, so is there a waterfall? Are there wildflowers here? Is there wildlife? And then accessibility. Is it dog friendly? Is it kid friendly? Is it uh, ADA compliant, wheelchair accessible? Um, and then we, so that's the, the, like the stuff we do in house. And then we flood it with UGC and it's that marriage of the two. That's really cool. Right. Cause, cause the, the trail creation is kind of a snapshot in time, but the UGC is really where it shines because it's, it's, you know, basically like real-time trail conditions. Hey, the snow line was here. Hey, there was a felled tree here. Hey, look out for the, um, 
And for, the, people, the, and for people who may not know, UGC is user-generated content. User-generated content, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so what we so back to how we built it was basically like we had to look at all the trail content that we had on the platform. We had about fifty thousand trails at the time, and maybe like five thousand of them were good. And so that was like then again the common characteristics that we need, the minimum bar to be published on our site, and then we just went after it. Well, human API power, one trail at a time. Um, so I would, I would come home from work and I would sit and watch the Warriors it was, it was the beginning of their championship runs. And, uh, I would just like do this, what we call data integrity. I would just start, like, I would go to Google analytics and export our landing pages by, you know, order of visits. So just focus on the, the highest, you know, the most important trails as far as traffic goes and just start trying to fix them. And what was happening is we were bumping up against the limits of our tools. Like we couldn't even change a profile picture, right? We couldn't like redraw the routes. We had to build the tooling in order to do this from scratch. And that took, you know, four or six months something like that. Yeah. Once we got the tools in place, I could start figuring out the process and documenting the process. And then once we kind of got the process figured out, then we could operationalize it. And so I went on Craigslist. I got four people um, sit around a, a round table with me in the office every day. And we would just go through the trails one at a time, one after another and get them. And it was just like, again, like this human API project to start. And then we're able to start getting a little bit more sophisticated on time. And that's where we've been a lot of fun, right? And then you start layering in like ML and now we're playing around with AI on top of your clustering algorithms. Like there's a lot of cool stuff we're able to do with text. We can do more faster and like literally map the globe. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's been a really fun evolution. And this, I think, is the really the heartbeat of all trails, like really what makes it, I think, unique from, from anything else out there. So this is, so the way you built the trails, it's not like Waze, right? Because Waze, it's, it's user generated. Like the, the, the users actually create the, the different roads if they start in a new, I don't know, if they go to Iran, right? Like the users are the ones that are creating it. This, you guys are creating and the users are curating, correct? If I'm, if I'm understanding it. It's a comment. So for the trail creation part, it's, it's a, we have a, a ton of first party data and third party data. Oh, so you're aggregating. And then our team does the curation on top of all of it because our, our philosophy is that like user generated content is it's messy. It's messy. You don't know whether um, they hopped a fence, whether they're on private property, right? Like you don't know, you, there's no like, did they even have a good time? Was it safe or not, right? Like you don't really know when you just yeah. have uh, uncurated user-generated recordings out there. Um, and so part of the clustering algorithms that we've developed is looking for pattern matches. So like X number of users have Y amount of polyline overlap. And then we marry that with, again, like open source third-party map data and our own first-party proprietary data and all this stuff. And we can find, okay, this has a high, proprietary, uh, a high probability of being a new trail in our system. So we send it to a human to then like, validate it before we set it live. It sounds like a really labor-intensive process, it but does. now we're at the point where it's all happening in the back end. So okay. the human part is actually like smaller than it's ever been, which gives us velocity, right? Like, so we can do more faster. So now we have probably like 320, 350,000 trails around the globe versus, wow. yeah, right? And, and the funny part is I don't know what the denominator is. Like no one really knows like, all right, we have all the trails, but we have enough trails, you know, you could kind of spin your wheels indefinitely. Even, you know, you're in, you're in Colorado, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure we could get 10,000 trails in Colorado, but there's diminishing returns. Yeah. And at a certain point, it's just kind of like noise and, and uh, analysis paralysis, whatever. Right. So we're trying to, you know, keep that in mind too, that more isn't always more like more isn't always better with this stuff too. Um, so anyways, yeah, but to, to us, it's like, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating problem to solve. Well, it's also, I mean, you guys are, so, I mean, trails are, like you said, it's an ever evolving or like, it could be a trail that used to exist now doesn't exist. It could be nothing existed here yesterday. And now there's 20 trails, right? Like it just, it's, it's, it's changing all the time. And I mean, and you can maybe like enlighten me a little bit about this, but like, I think you're kind of targeting more of the the weekend warrior, the novice. You're not necessarily going after the hardcore outdoorsman, right? Which they maybe would use their own thing or maybe not use anything at all because they know the woods so well. So like you don't need 
all of the different trails and all the hardest things you know, that are out there. You just need, you know, like an, an X amount, whatever the X is. Yeah. I learned something during my Liftopia days around trying to cater to the hardcore. Yeah. Um, in that they all have these really, you know, the, the one-off feature requests, right. To meet their specific use case. Um, so they have expectations about that. And then the, the, the other reality too is like, so many of them are living the van life and just trying to, you know, and I love yeah. it. I respect it. Like just yeah. dirt bag around and just like live their lifestyle and they don't want to pay you a dime. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really a great way to build a global business trying to cater to that demographic. So we do, we, we try and democratize access. And there's a bunch of different whys around why we're trying to democratize access. Um, the first one, like the first and most important is we believe that everyone, everyone has a right to the holistic health benefits that come from time outside like full stop, right? Like it's not just the physical health part, it's the mental health and emotional health parts too. And we really want to tear down the barriers that keep people from going outside. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot of barriers, but I think two of the biggest ones are lack of information and lack of confidence. And we can, we can help with both, right? We can't necessarily help with lack of time. You know, there's other things we can't necessarily help with, um, but we can help with, with the information and, and instilling confidence by making sure you feel safe and you know exactly what you're going into. And, and then by starting from that first principle, which, which is, in my opinion, just the right thing to do for a lot of reasons, including, you know, instilling this note, like conservation won't happen in a vacuum. Conservation won't happen if people don't feel a direct connection to our public lands, right? If, if, if instead they feel like it's just some like dirty, muddy, bug-filled place, like they won't give a shit if it's paved over. Right. But if they have memories out there and we can create multi-generational memories, I'm sure like a lot of your listeners, like you, like during COVID, we're out all the time with our kiddos, just hiking, exploring local trails. It was a beautiful thing. And now my kids have this deep connection to the same hiking trail that I grew up on with my family, because we all live in the Bay Area. Um, and that's a beautiful thing for me. And that's important. Right. And they they you'd even see it like the holistic health, like they'd stop bickering with each other when they're outside, right? Like they would just kind of like calm down a little yeah. bit when they're outside. And you just, you, you can, it just feels different than just trying to tell them like, Hey, go, you know, my oldest is not old enough. You're not pet. Like just go around on the Peloton and burn it off. Like it's different. It's just yeah. different when we, when we get time outside. So, so there's that from like a philosophical sense, but also from a, a business sense, it makes sense too, because like, it's such a huge TAM. And like I was saying earlier, like, I internally, I, I externally to you on, on your podcast, like we think we can get a billion people on the platform in the next 10 years, a billion people. We believe that this TAM, the total addressable market for people spending time outside is basically unbounded because the only limiting factor is a smartphone. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everyone, regardless even of mobility, right? Like we have wheelchair friendly trails, like we can give all this content out there. All we're trying to do is get people outside and off of pavement, like out into the trees, like that's a very low bar once you feel confident, once you have the information, right? So from a TAM perspective, from a business sense, it just felt smarter for so many reasons to go after this. Then when I started, All Trails was one of these niche, hardcore, through hiker, search and rescue type of platforms. We weren't good at it, to be clear. <laughs> but that was like the brand was like really built for that. Like, yeah. The imagery we had, uh, when you'd open the app, there was a splash screen and, uh, you know, as the app loaded behind the scenes. Right. And it was a slot Canyon. And, and, uh, I showed it to my wife, like my first day on the job, like Jenny, what does this make you think of? And she like, looks at it and started frowning. I was like, what, what's going on? She's like, ah, it reminds me of that movie with James Franco where he cuts his arm off. I was like, oh, fuck, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I got it. Like, I instantly yeah. got it. And, and this is the thing. Like, there's so many, there's so many barriers to entry. My wife is always down to go hiking with me, you know, like if I'm leading it. But the, like, that was like the, the click in my head. It's like, okay, like hard pivot, hard pivot. What, 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 how exciting would this be if we can create a product where someone like my wife, again, who's like not confident to take to go out on a trail run by herself, let alone take our kids or our mm-hmm. dog, right? What if we could use technology to, to solve that, right? And like, if we can get someone like my wife out there on her own doing this stuff, it's like, 
we can do, we can do the world. Like there's, there's so much opportunity here. And so it, it was, again, like it was probably the first thing I did when I, when I took over as, you know, CMO and CEO at yeah. the time, but it was that hard pivot from a brand perspective. Like we got to focus on inclusivity. We got to focus on accessibility. We got to make it so that the outdoors, that everyone feels welcome and that they have a right and that we're not going to put up, you know, these subconscious barriers with photos and lingo and stuff. Like you, you called me out for like saying UGC is like, for our listeners, like UGC yeah. is usually, that stuff happens all the time yeah. in the outdoor space, right? Like there's these things like, wait, I don't know what that is. So like, am I not in, am I not welcome here? Yeah. And so there's a very conscious decision to like really make our platform, our community accessible for everybody. Yeah. I remember when I was I, I, um, back in New York, I was, uh, I got into climbing and they start using all the lingo. I was like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. yeah beta yeah. and Greek, Greek. I was like, you have to start learning everything. And it's cool. Like that's, that's how people talk, but you coming in as a newbie, you're like, Oh snap, I got to start Googling stuff. I don't know anything. <laughs> Dude in the ski industry, it's the same thing, right? Like, and industry. Most industries are. I know. And it's brutal. And I never liked that part of the ski industry. And we tried, I don't, you know, I don't know how well we succeeded. We tried though, where it's like, you know, like for skiing, just to ski your first day on the slopes ever. It's like, yeah, that sounds cool. I want to do that. Well, you got to rent skis. Right. And that's probably like a hundred, 150 bucks, whatever. Um, and booze and and poles, but like you got to rent pants. Yep. And you got to get yourself like a good, like a good water resistant, if not a waterproof jacket. And then the lift ticket is $200 a day, yep. right? So for a family, like you're talking about like a thousand dollar a day, just some lift tickets, the barrier could not, and you don't even know if you like the sport, Yeah, right? Like that's <laughs> brutal. That is yeah. absolutely brutal. We were trying to change that, but it was hard, you know, but that's what I love about this space. There's no big upfront investment. You know, you don't need to go and buy a ton of gear, um, and you, you know, there's no like expensive access, you know, gatekeeping that happens there. Yeah. Um, and it unlocks so much. It just like adds this, uh, I don't know, this new element to, to life, right? Like that's just like, it stays with people and they pass it to their kids. You know, when I moved to Denver, uh, or not, sorry, not when I moved, but over time, I'm here for October, about six months now. And um, I was talking to my wife the other day and I was like, we were both just saying like, you know, we're just happier. And like, we hike probably, I would say at least once a week on a bad week, on a good week, twice. And, um, there's just an overall, like a better well-being. like just, we feel calmer, better, healthier. And like, and, and like, there's a part, obviously, like the more active you are, the better you feel like you feel like good within your body and it releases all these things in your brain that make you feel the chemicals that make you feel good. But there's, like you said, like that you can't replicate what the outdoors does, like going on a trail and doing five or 10 miles and, and experiencing the mountains and, and, a, and a deer, hopefully not a bear and like all these other things. And then coming at the end, at the end of the day, not only like physically are you happy and content, like you've, you've, you've challenged yourself, you've gotten up to a summit, there's adrenaline, there's like good psych, like there's so many aspects to it. And like, you know, going to the gym and going on the treadmill is amazing. It's great, but it's, you know, you can't compare this. You feel just, different, right? You just, there's no comparison. Different. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think there's a lot of reasons why, but I mean, it's, it's, you really get down to the base level. It's like physiologically and psychologically, we've evolved to spend time outside and it is unnatural for humanity to spend as much time indoors and behind screens and passive as we do right now. And I think people's subconscious are screaming at them that like, this isn't right. Something is off. Right. And I think, I think we can all feel there's like a general malaise and like anxiety happening. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I do believe that it's, it's caused by, you know, this, I mean, fuck, can I get on a soapbox for a second? Like, Go for it. You know, the biggest the biggest companies this world has ever seen, these tech companies are hiring like the smartest brains that we've ever developed to specifically go and try and manipulate our brain chemistry, right? And, and, and we're, getting, we're getting played, but we know that something is off. And I think that's why there's this awakening going on. And I think we're on the early stages. We're still on the upslope of it, but Altro is being around since 2010. We've been seeing these trends. We've been seeing these patterns and we're seeing it happen globally, which is people are turning to nature because like almost like a, like a, 
like a homing beacon or something. Like it's just like there's something calling because this is the way we're supposed to live, right? Like, and again, it's 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 the it's the brain chemistry, it's the blood chemistry, it's all these things that you are just talking about, right? And there's people way smarter than me that can talk a lot more about like physiologically what goes on in our bodies, but that's what we're built for. And that's why once people start turning on or reawakening to the outdoors, it sticks with them. And we, I've been talking a lot about like, you know, all trails and the COVID bump and all that, like that was real. We saw an accelerant, but what has been so rewarding is seeing the stickiness of it. And even as the world opens back up and people start traveling again. So instead of like local hikes only, they're going and flying to Hawaii or they're flying to Portugal or whatever. And they're hiking on their trips out there. They're spending a day maybe two days, like out in nature, right? So they're, it's just becoming a part of the way, it's, it just becomes part of your lifestyle. And it, you know, you're incredibly fortunate you get to do it twice a week. That's awesome. Like I'm lucky if I can do it like once or twice a month, right? Yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. Everyone's different. Everyone has different obligations. But that's what's, I think, great about this is it, it doesn't need to be a daily habit. You know, it's like whatever you can get, even for folks who only go out a couple of times a year. That's great. At least you're getting outside and getting like your fix of nature. And again, like all of the dopamine and, and, and everything else that like happens out there. It's an awesome thing. And I think I once you're once you're awakened to it, you don't really backslide, you know? No, 100 percent And you know, you mentioned like COVID, because COVID was kind of a death sentence for a lot, but I'm assuming for you guys, as as you just alluded to, it was amazing because now kind of being outdoors is the only place where you can technically be. Right. Because you're spaced out. There's air. You're not in a, like a, a closed shed, like close to people. And like it's great exercise. So it was just like it's a win, 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 win uh, on, on any account that you look at. Um, how did the like downloads or users or paid users, how, how did that happen around uh, COVID? Like what were some numbers? Yeah, COVID. COVID was definitely an accelerant. It was an accelerant of a trend. Um, like you like we have three kids. And by April of 2020, it was clear, like, all right, summer camps are getting canceled. Yeah. Uh, we had promised our kids a trip to Disneyland. Like, we canceled it. You know, it's just like, we're going to be stuck here. What are we going to do? Because they're bouncing off the walls. We have a dog, too. And, like, she's pretty, she was bouncing off the walls. We're like, we got to just go outside. Yeah. We're just going to go outside. And we're fortunate where we live. We could walk from our house, like, up into the hills and stuff, which was great. And we just got into a habit. And, and you know, I don't want to wax too nostalgically about something that killed a million Americans and everything else. Like it was an awful, awful thing. But if I'm, if I'm being like totally like honest and transparent, there were some upsides in my, in our family's personal life that were beautiful. And I almost miss, right. Cause like all this, all the sports stopped. Like we're not, we've got, our kids are, are 12, nine and five. And so we're like fully in chauffeur mode on the weekends and divide and conquer. And we're just like, dropping them off and picking them up and they're, you know, and it's, it's great. And, and they missed it. They did miss it. But selfishly, I loved how everything slowed down and it was just us and we could be present and it's, there was no, um, there was no FOMO, right? Like we weren't missing out on anything because like there's nothing. No, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm missing out on another zoom with a long lost friend, like, yeah. okay. You know? Um, and so like, it was this really great, beautiful thing that we got. I think we embraced it, you know, and, and now things are picking back up and I look back nostalgically on that time. So that was just like my personal connection to it, but the same stuff was happening all over. Right. And, and I think like us with our friends, I'm sure like you and your listeners, whatever is like, Hey, what are you doing to stay sane? Right. And like that conversation was just happening all the time. Like what, what are you doing? Right. And, and like, 20 summer 2020 was like the summer of hiking it, that that was it and people were you know obviously travel had stopped and but people were able to kind of like scratch that itch a little bit with like local exploration i live in the bay i grew up in the bay we we're hiking trails i'd never seen before that i never knew existed like that's so cool right and it kind of had that that same like sense of adventure and excitement um and so we're just seeing that happen globally right so so at a you know, this most root level, it was just, it was an accelerant. We got a ton more downloads, a ton more engagement. People were trading their commutes for hikes. That was yeah. rad. Um, but honestly, like longer term, looking back at it now, um, in the lens of hindsight, I think that uh, the single biggest, the single biggest transformation for us as a, as a, as a business 
um, was really on the hiring front where, um, prior, you know, it's, a, it's, it's hard. It's a bloodbath trying to get tech talent, right? Like it's really ruthless out here. Um, Pre-COVID, we had, uh, you know, we were based in San Francisco. We had like a really strong office culture. Pre-COVID, also, we were small. We, we, we went into COVID uh, with 15 full-time employees. Um, and so uh, we, we just started, we embraced remote first, right out of the gate, like mid-March. Mid-March, when everything shut down, we said, you know what? Like, things are really weird right now, but I think this is going to be like, I think we're built for this. I think we can offer a lot of people a lot of relief and help and a sense of normalcy. Like, let's take, let's place a bet and let's hire. And all these tech companies around us were starting to let go of talent. They were all freaking out and kind of trying to swim back to shore. And we said, we're going to paddle through this white water. We're going to get to the other side. And, and, and so we started, we were able to get access to talent that we had never had before. And that was like, it was the start of something different for us because there are so many people working at big tech companies, whatever, who are suddenly like at home away from the perks, away from the hype machine of being at these big glitzy offices, um, who were really starting to almost like, not like an existential crisis, but like really thinking through, like, am I spending my time on energy on something that I, that I am proud of that I'm passionate about. Right. And like the number of parents who like don't let their kids on Facebook or Instagram or, or like you name it. Right. Like, it's hard to reconcile that as a parent myself, it's hard. I know for me, it'd be very hard to reconcile that type of work. And I think a lot of people, and I, I know these are big, broad general statements, but I think a lot of people were really rethinking what they're doing with their time and energy and what they want to, how they want to like live. Right. hundred percent. Right. And so suddenly like we started getting like inbound applicants from companies that we would have never been able to penetrate before. Um, and, and I think that this trend is actually accelerating. You know, you hear a lot about the great resignation, the great reshuffling, whatever's going on. Like, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of companies like ours and other mission-driven companies that provide a real relief and value to folks, you know, um, that, uh, that I, I get all the time, like, yeah, you know, I looked at my phone and I just applied to the apps I use the most. And I love that. I think that that's all because we're a mission-driven company. Like we're not trying to hire tech mercenaries who are looking for a paycheck. We want people yeah. who are here for the mission and the cause and, and want to be here for the long haul. And so um, the amount we've been able to just like level up our talent and, and, and like evolve our DNA and just bring in like really like the best and the brightest and momentum begets momentum. And it's one of these things that like, to me, that has been the biggest transformation from COVID. So you guys stayed remote? Yeah, we still kept our office, which is funny because we're we're going in like one day a week now. And even okay. then it's like 10 or 15 of us per week, but it feels important to maintain uh, a home base and, and the symbolism of that. So, um, but I'd say probably like, I don't even know the numbers, like two thirds to 75% of our workforce is outside of the Bay at this point, which uh, the other is like, it is open up a world of talent that yeah. we wouldn't necessarily looked at. But the other thing too, is we had so many people leave the Bay uh, during COVID and go to, you know, name the mountain town, right? Like they just, they just, um, yeah. Right. Like we got a ton of people and like, even like the remote parts of Colorado and, you know, Oregon, yeah. Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, um, you know, people are going out and we we're paying Bay area wages because you're still doing the same work, right? Like we're not going to penalize you for going and, you know, living like where you want to live. And I think this is just, again, it's like momentum begets momentum. And it's been this thing where it's just, I'm just, I'm very grateful that we have become a magnet for this level of talent. And I don't take that for granted because it's transforming our, our business and the ability to innovate and ship product and everything else. Yeah, no, COVID has been uh, outside of the obvious, the, the deaths and everything else, but like it has been a, a reshuffling of society. And I mean, I wouldn't be where I am right now in Denver. You know, I'd probably still be in New York or something. And, uh, you know, everyone I meet here is from Chicago or L.A. or New York or D.C. So there's been a, an exodus out of a lot of big cities and, and people have kind of re-evaluated, like you said, like what's important in life? Why actually do I need to stay in this city and pay this exorbitant amount of rent and, and, and tip every living human and do all these things where I could actually like live in, I don't know, like somewhere near, near the beach or in the mountains or next to a forest and pay a quarter of what I'm paying and make just as much. Like there's just a, like, there's a, 
I don't want to use the, uh, the word awakening, but kind of an awakening, you know, in, in a mm-hmm. sense. So it's just been interesting and it'd be, it will be interesting to keep an eye on like the companies that sustain that, right? Like, cause I think some companies, they're really eager to get back to, to the, the way things were, right? Like we want people in the office, the nine to five. And then some people, some companies are like, no, that's not the way forward. They're like offering maybe a hybrid or full remote. And it's just going to be interesting to see in the next 5, 10, 15, whatever years, how this, how, how this evolves and how this goes. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's hard to break out 10, 20 years from now how things, maybe, maybe the pendulum swings back. I don't know. But for yeah. right now and in the, like the short, medium term, I don't know how any company can think that they can go back to the way that it was before. Like the world is a fundamentally different place. Sure. And then working remote for so long has just opened everyone's eyes. Like this can work. This can work. So like, so what we do for, for Wednesdays, when we come to the office on Wednesdays, it's not to like, every, so that everyone can sit and do Zooms, but now it's just noisier, right? Like <laughs> that was kind of the first couple of weeks, like, no, we're doing this wrong. Like this yeah. is, don't come in and do Zooms and don't even come in and do like your IC, your individual contributor work. That's not the why. The why of the office for us has fundamentally changed, right? Like do your day-to-day work at home or coffee, wherever, wherever you want, wherever you want, you're doing the work. We trust you. It, it is rooted in trust, right? Like if you can't trust the people, like what's, what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, so it's rooted in trust. That's like principle number one. But then like, if you're coming in, like it's about collaboration. And this is what I've been starving for during COVID personally is like, Zoom is fine. Um, it's fine. But like, you don't have peripheral vision, right? Like you don't see what you don't see. All you see is what's on your screen in front of you at a given time, like through the Zoom window or on Slack or whatever emails you get, but you don't have that, 360 degree holistic view that you get in an office. You don't have those organic conversations that just pop up. Like two people are over by the coffee machine talking about something cool. And I want to go join them because this is fun. And the energy that comes from just like riffing together and brainstorming. This is my favorite part of working in tech is just like being around people who are so much smarter than me and being able to riff off of each other and like create, create an idea and seeing that idea form. Like that's the why of the office for us is brainstorming, it's ideation, it's strategy, it's the unstructured time. Like, dude, if you saw my calendar, it's like every 30 minute block is booked every yeah. single day. Yeah. And on Wednesday, I try and like clear it so I can have that unstructured time specifically to just like, let's figure some shit out. Let's see where our collective thoughts take us. And the ideation that comes from that, you can't get it in this like hyper-structured Zoom environment. I agree. So again, like, I, I don't know if that's enough of a magnet to get people to come in or not, you know, but for me and, uh, and the, and, and my executive team is all local. That was one place I wouldn't bend. Like everyone, ha- I needed my execs to be local specifically for this. Hopefully it creates more of a magnetism that for people that want to come and do this, but we're also, we're getting really comfortable with like flying people in like a few times a year, different, different, you know, squads or scrum teams or people working on like a big cross-functional initiative, like, I do believe in the value of people being in a room together. I just, it doesn't need to be two, three, four, five days a week though. Yeah. Yeah. Now flexibility is key. Um, I, I think I recently read that you guys recently across the million, um, million paying subscribers threshold, correct? That was January of 2021. Oh, that was last year. All right. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm behind. I'm behind. That's okay. That's okay. Um, we're, we don't, we don't normally like, pump our chest out about this kind of stuff. we're we're a, okay i like being like a quiet humble company and like yeah. if you want to underestimate us underestimate us that's fine that's your problem yeah. um well, so we company know, is kind of an extension of you if you're this humble genuine dude then that's what the company will be yeah and so but but it was such a big milestone um it, that one felt worthy we we across actually two months back in january 2021 25 million registered users and a million paying subscribers okay. um and there was a lot of, a lot of like years of hard work that went into yeah. both of those. Yeah. Um, now you have a million and, million and one. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, thankfully we've got, yeah. I mean, the, the growth is. I'm sure you have much more, but yeah, I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, that was, a, that was a cool milestone. That was very cool. Um, all right. So there is like a few things that I'm, I'm interested in uh, as far as like future features that yeah, I'm sure you guys probably thought of, but it's just like stuff that like when I use, I'm like, oh, this would be interesting if there's something they do. So would you ever consider doing, allowing people to upload like they do pictures now, but videos? 
Yeah, we're looking into just the back end logistics of it. Videos, the the, the content moderation is no joke. So we got to figure yeah. that part out. Um, oh, and then it's like the hosting and stuff too. Um, but it helps that our our CTO used to work at GoPro. Um, so we know, you know, we've yeah. we've got a little bit of that DNA here. So I, I love the idea of it. We just we need to figure out how exactly to do it. Okay, that's cool. And then another one: Would you ever introduce a feature? Kind of like a um, how Yelp and used to work for Yelp yeah. uh, had like the what are they called like uh, super Yelpers or Yelp Elite? Yeah, whatever it was, like a something like that where you have like a an all trailer like a like a influence type where like they whatever they the stuff the content that they produce or put out there or the reviews that they put hold more gravitas or maybe potentially even get paid. I don't know, like in 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 in, in what. Um, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 actively exploring um, a, a, a model similar to that, not by paying people for reviews, but um, you know whether it's folks who work directly at a park system, um, you know, folks with the insider information, yeah. uh, community leaders, things like that. We're we're working on it right now. Okay. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> we don't want to talk too much about it. Um, all right. And then would you ever, or I don't know if you've ever done this, but you ever consider allowing uh, your system and data to be uploaded to some sort of a NAV system um, or perhaps even come out with your own version of some sort of a navigational uh, mechanism, you know, like, because uh, sometimes the iPhone for all its benefits and how great it is, it fails sometimes. Like I've had a couple of times where it's not the app that failed. It's just my phone. Yeah. And then I'm in the middle. This has actually happened to me twice. And I'm in the middle of the trail. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, all right, left, right. There's like 27 different options. And, na and navigational systems, that tends to happen, I, I believe, much less. Yeah, I know. that. That's the tricky thing. And then, you know, on the, you, have, I'm, you have an iPhone. Like Correct, yeah. on the Android side, there's so many different types of devices that the GPS is dictated by the quality of the phone, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, it's something we're looking into too. Um, there's a few partnerships where we're starting to kick the tires on and see if there's a there there. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. I would love that. Noted. <laughs> I, I hope you're taking notes down there right? I, I got it up here <laughs> um do you have a favorite trail i do i do so i love mountain biking um okay. i'm a very mediocre mountain biker and i love it i'll do it as much as i can um with with three kids it's not very frequently just to be clear yeah, yeah. um so there's this spot down by santa cruz off of highway 17 um called socal demonstration course that I think it's as good as it gets. So that's that's my favorite trail, but my all-time favorite trail, all-time, all-time favorite trail. I've, I've been fortunate enough to do it twice is the Nepali Coast Trail in Kauai. Okay. Um, so so there's the wettest spot on earth is in Kauai, and which means that like it's so dang wet, they can't build a road all the way around the island. So there's this one beach that's 11 miles in from where the road ends, and you can only get there by foot. Boats aren't even allowed to get there. Um, oh, it's like the shit that looks like Jurassic Park. You'll see yeah. like the helicopter tours and all that. Yeah, yeah, so I've done that one twice and it is, it, it is, it's magical. I mean, it's like life changing, honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh, so wow. all your listeners out there, if you can do it. <laughs> I was actually that. supposed to be in Hawaii in, in two weeks, but that uh, didn't pan out, but I would have definitely done that. How long is the whole thing? It's 11 miles each way. It's an out and back. It's a little sketchy. There's definitely like some massive cliff drops. It's more, it's more like scary than dangerous. Although I'm probably going to get lit up for saying that it's, yeah, it's yeah. dangerous. It's dangerous. It's definitely yeah. like you want to have your shit together. It's also permitted. So you do have to get permits for it. Um, okay. That's relatively new and permits are not that easy to come by anymore. Um, There's just limited spots. Up, what's that? There are limited spots. So how much you can get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for safety too, they they want to know who's coming in and, and out of there. Um, but yeah, if you can swing it, it is it is a life-changing trail. Yeah, that's a big thing in uh in national parks now. I think they're starting to focus more on 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 limited because I think in the last few years there's been just a boom, uh, especially in a few specific, probably like the Yosemites, uh MN, you know, um, uh Rainier and, and Rocky Mountain National Park and Zion yeah. and a few others. And uh, I think they're trying to like figure out a different model where maybe 
not as many people come. They're being loved to death. Yeah. Right? And it's yeah. like, on the one hand, it's great that people have this connection, but on the other hand, like it's not sustainable. And that's really what we're trying to do is like diffuse. We want to get as many people out to be clear. Like there's a camp of, of conservationists, preservationists that think that the best way to, um, to save nature is to completely restrict access. And we do not, I do not believe that. Altrails does not believe that. Like on behalf of Altrails, I'll say like, <laughs> we think that the only path forward is yeah. to have people actually out there connected to nature. But what we're trying to do is diffuse it, diffuse um, utilization from like the big name trails. Everyone feels like they have to go to the, to the lesser known parks, the hidden gems, um, you know, like Yosemite is spectacular. And there's like, you know, a few trails that everyone does, but like there are, places outside of the park that are equally beautiful and equally spectacular. And so that's, that's a lot of what we try and do these hidden gems, these like trails, less traveled, um, state park systems as well. Right. Um, there's, there's no shortage of like breathtakingly beautiful and awesome nature to go spend time in. So the extent we can shine a light on those trails, you know, I think it's better. Yeah. It's unfortunate that people, you know, they go and I guess these parks are, are, are iconic and like some of the maybe waterfalls or, or features or mountains, whatever are iconic. And that's why people want to go. And uh, also probably pretty accessible versus maybe some other stuff in like state parks and, and whatever. But like there's, you know, I don't know exactly 50 plus national parks or, or there's more. more yeah, more. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of them, in, but people tend to cluster around 10 or so of the of the more popular ones. And yeah. it's a shame because even here in Colorado, I mean, it's endless. There are so many state parks and public lands and just places you could go that are just breathtakingly beautiful and, and empty. Like there's no one it's, there. I, I go there. There's it's just like I see five, six other people. It's, there's no one there. It's amazing. Yeah. The way I think of it, it's kind of like... Um you know, like restaurants, right? Like, sure. the okay. But like, you know, you got to the spot, there's like the big, like fancy, well-known restaurant that you're like, you're going to wait three hours and, or like, there's no shortage of amazing other spots nearby, right? Like diffuse the visitation, depressurize it, let it like hit a natural equilibrium. The, the one good thing about this increased trail utilization, at least like in the medium term, is um, it is leading to increased funding, Right. And so like, it's great. It's great. There's a lot more work to do. It's not done by any means, but it is great seeing yeah. like at, at, at the federal level and at the state levels for the most part, um, that increased funding is going into, you know, incremental trailheads and, and, and increasing throughput at the major trailheads and just upgrading facilities, things like that. Like, cause it's part of the public consciousness and that's what we're trying to do. And like, we really do mean it. Like there's so much room in the tent for everyone when it comes to outdoors. We do not care like what political party you believe in. Like if you love the outdoors, like come on in, come on in. Right. Like, cause the more people that we can get to care, like the more we can get our, our taxpayer dollars and everything else, like funding this stuff that people like, let's make it a, a universal issue. Like that transcends party lines. Like that would be amazing. We have a lot of work to do, but like, that would be amazing. No, I completely agree. I, I saw that there, and this is, and this might, this goes back to a little bit of a partisan thing, but they are trying to create three or four new national parks. And uh, I think they're, that's kind of being, um, there's some gridlock happening in, in government and as to why they can't pass it. But, you know, the more of these areas that they create for people to enjoy, I think it makes sense that maybe people will more people, it'll be more evenly spread out versus all this majority people go into a handful of locations. I think that would be, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's common sense, but I don't know why they're not uh, able to pass it. Yeah. yeah I'm going to stay away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Do you have any idea what's the, like the most, or one of the top uh, hiking trails? Like what are the most popular hiking trails from a user perspective on the old trails? I know. So Smoky Mountain National Park has the most visitation of any national park in the country. Really? Um, which is fascinating. Yeah. Smoky. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually don't know what the most popular trail on all trails is right now. It's a good question. Wow. Well, it's interesting. Smoky. I've never been. I have to put on the list. Oh, uh, Ron, thanks so much for uh, talking to me today. I had a blast. I learned a lot and I uh, appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Where uh, I know I, I I tried to find you on social media, but I couldn't really find you. Uh, not on it. You're I'm not, not on it. it. <laughs> nope. Get hate on it, dude. It's, yeah. <laughs> I quit. All of them? You you hate all of it? 
I'm on LinkedIn out of necessity, but I quit, I quit social media cold Turkey in 2014 and I've never looked back and I, it's, it's, I, I couldn't recommend it enough to everyone listening. Yeah. Uh It will change your life. Uh, you're my hero, man. Good for you. It's easier, <laughs> I wish, it's I wish, easier than you think. It's I wish I could do it. I don't think I could. I think I like, I, also like I couldn't just be, but like based on like having to promote things, you know, like it's just, it's, it's impossible without social media. It's uh yeah, it's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah. Well, at least you could separate, you know, your work promotion from personal promotion. True. I love whenever I'm, whenever I'm like in a park system, whatever, hiking with my kids and you see, someone doing like the ridiculous Instagram pose. And, you know, it's one thing when you see it through the lens of, of sure, sure, sure. itself, but you see that body contorting and like whatever <laughs> they're, and I just pointed out to my kids, it's like, look how silly they look right now. <laughs> and look how they're taking themselves out of this moment to like yeah. focus on, you know, what people think of them. It's, it's crazy to me. I have that um, like duality that's happening in my brain all the time when I'm out there. Cause I do enjoy taking pictures. I'm not, I'm not posing or anything, but I just enjoy like, uh, other than having a mental snapshot, having an actual visual snapshot at the moment. And then I'm like, ah, oh, but you're, you're taking yourself out of the moment, but then you want to memorize. It's just, just like, I always have that back and forth in my head. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I like presence. I think presence is something that's underrated. And I think, you know, with social media, we take ourselves out of the moment. We think about what other people are going to think about us. Right. A hundred percent, nine percent agree. Um, so if, so I guess there's no place, I mean, people can find you on LinkedIn. People can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Cool. And guys make sure to, um, if you're into the outdoors or if you're thinking of trying anything in the outdoors, please, uh, do look up all trails, download it. Not for nothing. It's, it, it just makes you more confident out there. It's literally, it's any, it's, it's like when they had those, um, like hand guides back in the day, something for dummies. That's what it is. It makes it super easy. You're not going to get lost. It takes you, even if you're like you're, you get off the route, it'll buzz. I mean, I think that's maybe on the premium, right? Yeah. Which has happened to me multiple times. So it's a, it's a great app. It's, and it helps you get out, uh, be more confident outdoors. So check it out. Uh, all right. Appreciate the time today, man. It was a blast. Thanks so much. Thanks, dude.